You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to the what the second week now mm-hmm. of April, circling sales sports on Converge Media. As always, your hosts, Charles Hammaker and Bell Garcia. Uh, man, I mean, I think above anything else, the Mariners have really been the highlight of, well, in the ways, the highlight of the of week. The, and week yeah. the most that's going on, but there's also the WNBA draft is today, mm-hmm. which is big for Seattle. They have four picks, I believe it was, yes. none of them in the first round. Before I get ahead in anything, uh, we'll jump right into Seahawks mm-hmm. stuff. And Belle will take it, take us yeah. right away. Let's do it. Not much in terms of Seahawks news, just a little bit of, you know, a little bit of information here. Yeah. <laughs> Some housekeeping things. Exactly. Um, Bobby Wagner says that he doesn't have hatred towards the Seahawks, um, but the ending doesn't sit right with him. So, of course, last week we discussed what our feelings might be with Bobby's new signing, but these are kind of Bobby's feelings and where he sits currently. Um, completely understand. Yeah. Has he stated whether he's excited to play with the Rams or anything? To oh yeah. I, I think the, the comment was made that kind of went maybe a little viral was the, the fact that Seattle playing Seattle twice a year, wasn't a motivating factor, but it mm-hmm. was the cherry on top. So oh, wow. at, the, okay. at the end of the day, again, he's somebody that if it wasn't that he wanted out, he wanted to trade, send me to LA. It was, you were cut. Uh, I well, I, I guess if I'm Bobby Wagner, right? I, I was cut. cut. He can go anywhere he wants. He's going back home to SoCal. You know, he went to. He was born in Ontario, California. Mm-hmm. Go where he wants. And he he because I remember we reported on it that the Rams did not want to give him a one year, eleven million dollar deal. Right. He turns around and makes it a five year, fifty million dollar deal that can go up to sixty five. So, and this is a guy that's representing himself. And interestingly enough, I did a little bit of research into that, into different players that have represented themselves as opposed to having an agent. Guys like Richard Sherman, um, Russell Okun, um, historically, they have not done that well representing themselves. Yeah. And Bobby, I would say he did pretty well representing himself. Definitely. So I, hey, it's not, more, it's, it's him and the Russell situation are like parallels in my mind. Um, at the end of the day, good for him good for him he gets to go back home he gets to like it's, it's almost like a prove it thing and he get to get some sort of revenge icing on the top of that cake there so yeah and good. he we don't have any idea whether the games will be here in la are they normally one there and one yeah, here yeah yeah, yeah yeah that's what i figured regardless they should be very interesting once the rams do play the seahawks so that would be exciting yeah. to look forward to um Moving on here, on April 6th, the team hosts draft visit with Cincinnati QB Desmond Ritter. Um, We know that was still on the list of positions that the Seahawks needed to look into and whether they were going to for the draft. So interesting piece of information there Um, leading into the draft. Yeah, just to see what they're kind of looking at and what positions they think are they need to prioritize. So. And I think what's important to look at is, you know, there will be, oh, they has a visit with him. They must love him. Yeah. The Seahawks <laughs> back in, I think, the 2018 draft were at Josh Allen's pro day. Does that mean that they were going to draft him? Not necessarily. They just, you know, you do your homework on different yeah. things, right? So at Ritter at nine, uh, I, again, I'm really not that enthused by any of the quarterbacks at number nine, essentially, outside of talking myself myself in the Malik Willis. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I again, it's still really a toss up. I have no idea what Seattle will do at nine, and we won't know till the end of the month here when the draft right. is. But again, as, as I've said, if we go with Malik Willis, I'm okay with that. But what if we go with Drew Lock? <laughs> we'll, we'll have to live with it. I don't know. I'm still kind of like 70 30 against it, but you know, it's 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 kind of seeming more and more apparent that that will become reality. Yeah. So yeah. you're gonna have to live with it, you know. Also on April 6th, a false report comes out that the Seahawks declined Jets' number 10 overall pick for in this year's draft for wide receiver DK Metcalf. Um, and last week, again, we spoke about uh, DK's reaction to all these trade rumors and him not having heard anything. So another false report here. Yeah, and I don't think it's the only one we've seen either. <laughs> no, I think the first that, that report that came out that the Seahawks declined that trade came out like an hour before the second report came out that that wasn't true. So it's yeah. like... You got to be careful. You know, a lot of this in this business is media driven. And that's what I was hoping the Russell Wilson news was for the longest yeah. time. But bygones are bygones. So we will continue to follow the story just in case that yeah. DK does get traded or anything comes of that. An extension, hopefully. We're crossing our fingers. Yeah. Um, speaking of extensions, on moving on to league news here, on April 6th, Stefan Diggs got extended by the Bills. He is on a four-year, $104 million contract with $70 million guaranteed. And that just gives you insight on how big these contracts are for the wide receivers this year. Um, I think the first domino in that wide receiver market was Christian Kirk getting so much money from Jacksonville mm -hmm. and overpaying for him. Mm -hmm. And so the guys that, you know, really deserve that money said, what the heck <laughs> yeah. is going on with this guy? <laughs> I, I want my due and I want it to be more than what he's getting paid. And yeah. then you see what Devontae Adams, and not to That's put salt in the wound, Devontae Adams. And then I don't think Cooper Cup's been paid yet, but he will get paid. Tyreek you know, didn't get extended, but Tyreek, of course he got And then getting him. the mega deal, thank you, yeah. with the Dolphins. Um, and yeah, I mean, a bunch of guys now are in line. They're saying, hey, so what are you going to give me? Yeah. What do you see my value as? You know, so yeah, it, it, 70 million. I didn't even see that until we put that into the notes there. Yeah. So that's. Can give us maybe a little bit more clarity as to what DK might be looking at. And. Oh I don't know. Well, you think the Seahawks can afford to well, offer him a contract like that? That, I mean, you're going to have cap space clearing up here anyway, and you have some cleared up, uh, but also the cap is going to grow next year anyway. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there are more factors that are going to soften the blow of how much money that will be. But, I mean, he's a guy that we talked about what last week or the week before that wants to step up in the leadership role of this yeah. offense is an all-world talent, you know, yards after catch, going up for the ball, you know, it's just an aggressive, I mean, it's, it's, I don't see anything that would steer me clear from DK. So yeah, I, I would put my money where my mouth is and well, get that taken care of. Let's hope DK gets that back from the Seahawks then, because we can't afford more heartbreak. No. <laughs> um, also on April 6th, attorney generals put NFL on notice. The attorney generals of six different states urged the league to fix workplace harassment issues or a major investigation will take place. And that's big legal news because that's like like you just said six different states yeah getting involved there so i, I think we'll have to keep an eye on that because it i'm sure it not only relates to what we're going to go into next but also what's been happening with the washington commanders i almost said football team <laughs> 
uh, and their ownership. So, yes, I mean, it's, definitely. you know, there's a lot that's been happening in NFL uh, off the field and that has just kind of under, under Goodell's watch, it's kind of been swept under the rug. So it, it, I'm glad that there is some sort of action being taken. Yeah. And just like you mentioned, um, our next piece of news here on April 7th, more coaches join the Brian Flores lawsuit. Um, Ex-Cardinals coach Steve Wilkes, defensive coordinator Ray Horton make discrimination claims against the Cardinals and the Titans. Um, were the Cardin Cardinals part of the Brian Flores lawsuit? Not initially, I don't think. Uh, I think this is just more of uh, more coaches bringing their situations yeah. to light. Um, and it was funny. I don't. I don't. It was another coach that got involved, but. Um, he got involved and it was another like keep sticking point in this case because of an interview he did on a Steelers, a small Steelers podcast that was like a small show. It wasn't like a local thing or anything and it got amplified and it went viral. Um, so it's just interesting to see how this, the different pieces of news are coming into play, yeah. where they're coming from. And I mean, Flores, I think he signed with Pittsburgh. He did as yeah. a, as a like, linebackers yeah. coach or something. Um, so he's got, he's got a job right now, mm -hmm. you know, and this is still taking place. So it's just, I mean, obviously it's nowhere near being done, right? Nowhere near it's finished, especially with what we've just, you know, sort of uh, seen this past week. So obviously we should have an eye on that as yeah. it continues, but I'm really interested to see how this takes place because this could generate a lot of waves, Definitely. not only in football, I'm sure, but also maybe in other leagues as well. Yeah. People feeling like they have the support to speak up and yep. Talk about their situation as well. So, again, like you said, we'll continue to follow this story. Um, and unfortunate news, and hate to have to even report on this. Uh, Dwayne Haskins passed away on April 9th. Um, he was struck by a car while in South Florida for training. He was there training with QBs, wide receivers, I believe. Um, yeah, I don't know too much more on the story. I think he was trying to cross a highway or something. Yeah, he, uh, from what I had read, he ran out of gas on the highway and he was trying to get, obviously get gas for his car. Um, I don't know if you were going to speak on it or if you had seen it. Go ahead. But uh, I don't know his full title or what he's done, but I guess his name's Gil Brandt, made some horrific comments about uh, just he who was living to die and why, cause he was speaking about why he was on the highway. It's like, Hey man, unfortunate things happen. Yeah. You know, you get stuck on the highway. Um, and Adam Schefter, I don't know if you saw the tweet I that went viral. See. Yeah. About, uh, mentioning Haskins, his football career and his tweet about his, his passing should never have happened. Yeah. I don't care. You know, in, in any death that we have to report, I don't want to talk about their career. I really don't. I do not care. It has been amazing to see the outpouring of support that people, you know, Ohio State teammates, uh, Chase Claypool with the Steelers, um, even Ben Roethlisberger, just so many different people reflecting on uh, the, the type of man that Haskins was. Because, again, you talk about his struggling. You sit there and you're talking bad about a guy who just passed. This is a, a son, yeah. a significant other, uh, a family member, a friend. You know, this is it's, it's a human being. Yeah, it blows my mind how that's like the first thing that comes yeah. to your mind. So right out. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, and Adam Schefter has had several different incidences uh, this offseason, let alone in his mm -hmm. career relating to stuff like this. I mean, uh, there was the situation with Dalvin Cook, I think, last year had a uh, criminal charge and he just 
he was taking a side. And as a reporter, you can't really do that. Yeah. You cannot do that. And especially as like the key face of NFL news, you cannot do that. You are, people are going to look to you for that and you're going to draw a lot of attention. Um, so obviously, you know, thoughts with the Haskins family, uh, you know, his immediate family, um, teammates, anybody that had any run-ins with him or, uh, you know, an interaction, but it is shameful. Shameful to see the way that some people reacted to this. It's insane to think about that. Like you were saying, the first thing you think about was his football career. Right. The man has passed. I really do not give a shit what what he did on the football field. I do not care. Yeah. I don't want to see where he was drafted. I don't want to hear how he did. You know, so um, I, like you said, unfortunate that we even have to look at that. But um, I, 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 good that we acknowledge it because it did happen. And it's not like we're just going to screw it over it, but really a shame on Gil Brandt and Adam Schefter and Brandt has come back. And, uh, since, since the backlash has been like, Oh, I didn't mean for it. It doesn't matter. He went what's and said, done it. Is done. what's yeah. done is done. And Schefter deleted the initial tweet, but has <laughs> not come out and said anything about it. And I think at bare minimum, he should be suspended for a decent amount of time. Yes. Let alone let go, you know? So, um, that is, that is how I feel on that. And unfortunately, that is our also our last piece of news here for the NFL. Um, looking ahead, what we have to look forward to here at the end of April, April 28th through 30th, the NFL draft. And that about covers it for our Seahawks. So if you want to go ahead and dive into the Mariners. Switching gears over to our Seattle Mariners. Uh, we have a couple. It's funny. We have a couple little spring training things, but then we get mm -hmm. immediately into the regular season. Opening day has taken place. Uh, not at home yet. We'll get to that in this upcoming <laughs> week. But uh, we head over to our Seattle Mariners uh, going to our game recaps. Uh, so as I mentioned, two games uh, in spring training uh, over the past week. April 4th versus the Arizona Diamondbacks. That game taking place, I believe, while we were recording. A win 6-3. to Played the game. Nefi Castillo going 2-4 for fourth, a run and two RBIs. And then the fifth, the final spring training game of the season. Um at the Cincinnati Reds, losing that one 9-12. to Player of the game, Cesar is Torres Jr. Going 2-for-3 with a run, three RBIs, and being left on base twice. The Mariners finished spring training with a 9-7 and record. So, I don't buy it. It's, it's like uh, preseason football. I don't ever buy into the record, you know. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, we went 4-0 in the preseason. The 0-16 Lions went 4-0 in the preseason. So, don't care. It doesn't dictate the season. Um, <laughs> so, we head over to the Mariners' Uh, opening series against the Minnesota Twins on the road, which got delayed a game because, uh, think about this, April in Minnesota. <laughs> How's that going to go? I mean, our weekend here in Seattle was kind of crazy with the weather. Yeah, so. but we didn't get snow. Yeah. And <laughs> even if we were playing opening weekend here, we have a roof. Yes. So, you exactly. know, it's, it is kind of mind-boggling. Mm -hmm. The Minnesota Vikings Stadium has a roof. Mm -hmm. What? <laughs> Anyway, uh, so the April 7th opening day that was originally scheduled got moved to the 8th, which was going to be an off day. Uh, so April 8th, as we take a look here at the scores, uh, April 8th at the Minnesota Twins winning that opening day game 2-1. to Player of the game, outfielder Mitch Hanniger uh, with one hit, one run, a 1.250 on base plus slugging and two RBIs. That two-run homer that he had obviously being the difference in the 2-1 to win. Uh, April 9th at the Twins, a 4-3 to three win. That's a comeback win. Play of the game, first baseman Ty France going 3-for-5 with two RBIs and being left on base twice. Julio Rodriguez would get his first MLB hit in that game. 
that being a leadoff double in the top of the ninth to get the scoring going um, and to represent actually the tying run, I believe it was. Um, so that was a really cool game to see. And then the 10th at the Twins, a 4-10 to 10 loss. Uh, the Twins really got over all over uh, Mariners pitching and Marco Gonzalez uh, just could not find his location. Play the game again, Mitch Hanniger in the DH spot going two for four with a run and three RBIs hitting a three run homer to sort of kind of bring the Mariners back into it. At that point, after that home run, it was four to six, but then the Twins sort of really were able to trail away. So um, as it sits right now, I mean, it's kind of weird. You got a four game series to open it up and it, ends on a Monday this does not mm-hmm. really happen so that game to finish up the series mm-hmm. will uh, happen at four o'clock but I mean two and one I, where we sit right now I'm okay with it I mean they've kind of picked up where they left off with the sort of cardiac kids mindset you know those two one run wins um, so I liked what I saw from Robbie Ray had a good outing didn't have his best stuff so if he's able to hold the twins to a one run game and not have his best stuff. I think that's a positive sign. Uh, Logan Gilbert looked shaky at first in that ninth at April 9th game, but it was able to really calm his nerves and start using a secondary pitches, which he'll need to do if he wants to go deep because he really relied heavily on that fastball last year. And you can't do that because people adjust. Um, But so far I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. There are some things that need to, you know, be adjusted and worked on. But baseball is a game of 162 games in the regular <laughs> season, and we're three games into it. Yes. So I'm not going to sit here and uh, freak out too much about anything. So we'll switch over to our player of the week segment this week, which has, uh, as a little inside joke between Bell and I, has garnered interesting attention. <laughs> um, I had Ty France at first base in 11 at-bats. He has four hits, which leads the team. Uh, one run, a double, two RBIs, five total bases, two walks, a 364 batting average, a 500 on base percentage, a 455 slugging percentage, and a 955 on base plus slugging. Uh, and Bell's pick, Bell's pick is uh, not not a bad pick either. I want you yeah. to uh, take a look at that for me. I went ahead and went with J.P. Crawford, who had eight at-bats, three hits, one run, one double, four total bases, two walks, a .375 average, a .45 on base percentage, a .500 slugging percentage and a 1.045 OPS. What is on base? Tra- there slugging. we go. Oh my gosh. Just totally lost it. Yeah. <laughs> For a while, I didn't know the acronyms either. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, JP, both of those guys, you know, it's funny. It's kind of like when JP signed his extension, we'll get you in a second. Mm-hmm. Ty put it up there and you can tell those guys are buddies. Um, but two guys really that in the infield, at least are going to, lead this offense i know jp's not necessarily a big home run guy but his bat has really improved you know since he's been with the mariners and he's been an on-base machine uh you know ty france is a guy that you know is kind of known for his offense when we acquired him in the trade with san diego and it's really performed well defensively so guys that were kind of parallels of each other you know jp crawford really good defense bats growing ty france really good offense gloves growing um two guys that really will be a big factor in the success this year. So good picks. Ty France is on here as your player of the game for April 9th. And then you have Mitch Hanniger on the other two games against Minnesota. Do you think it's weird to not have Mitch as one of the players of the week? In a way, yes. I mean, if we're looking at it, I mean, I always looked at player of the game things two different ways. Like when we did podcast, when we did the podcast, uh, when I had like Bennett or Omari on Mm -hmm. it, 
and we'd look at player of the game. Bennett would go for like the feel good story of the week okay. or big moments. If you wanted to go with the big moments thing, I would go with Mitch Hanniger, obviously the the two run homer and the three run homer. Um, but like statistic wise, I think yeah. he had like a one sixty four average the last time I checked it. It could have obviously updated, but. You know, I'd like to see more of a consistent bat is just okay. kind of where I went with it. Yes, I can see that. In that regard. So that's, that's how I looked at it. Yeah. Um, so looked over to team news here on the fourth of the month. The team was really sort of uh, starting to whittle it down. So can I have you look at that as we look at uh, team news? Yeah. So on team <clears throat> news on April 4th, um, Donovan Walton got option to triple A Tacoma. And Mike Ford got reassigned to a minor league camp. As we look on to April 5th, Wyatt Mills got option to AAA Tacoma. And three players got reassigned to minor league camp. That was Devin Sweet, Billy Hamilton, and Steven Salza Jr. So, yeah, you can see there that it's like the preseason part of the NFL where they start to whittle down. Yeah. To the main roster. And I know that Souza had some home runs, sort of like the Mitch Hanager, how we just looked at that. Yeah. He had some nice home runs. I, mean, I think he led the team in spring training home runs. But the team opted to go for, I think, 10 relievers and three catchers. So they were going to that sort of uh, area there. And both Hamilton and Suze, I believe, are in AAA. So they're with the Rainiers right now, and they could be called up at any point. Yeah. But that's at least in the early part. Again, 162 games. That can change at any minute. That's where they've going at, they're going at the time. Because I know some people were like, hey, what the hell? Why isn't Suze on the opening day roster? You've already got a crowded outfield. You know, we, we talked about this with Julio and Jared Kelnick, Hanniger, Winker. Uh, I'm missing somebody here. We'll get to it in a second. Oh, Kyle Lewis is on injured list. But, I mean, it makes sense to me. I just I know there was some, some outrage there. We already talked about opening day in Minnesota being postponed thanks to inclement weather. Yeah. Um, and then we have the opening day roster. Uh, we break this down into a couple because, I mean, 28 names we'll have to go through. <laughs> um, so we'll look at pitchers here. Matt Brash, Diego Castillo, Matt Festa, Chris Flexen, Logan Gilbert, Ken Giles is a reliever who's currently on the injured list. We talked about his injury last week. Uh, Marco Gonzalez, Anthony Mashevitz. That's a weird name. That's, That's a really good job pronouncing that. Yeah, the Shepherds <laughs> had the, you know, in my time working with the Rays, you had to nail some of those down. Andres Munoz, Yohan <laughs> Ramirez, Robbie Ray, Casey Sadler, Sadler on the injured list and won't be back this season unless he recovers miraculously, mm -hmm. which we've seen before. <laughs> Paul Seawald, Justice Sheffield, Drew Steckenrider, and Eric Swanson round out the pitchers. As we move over to the infield route here, J.P. Crawford, Ty France, Adam Frazier, Dylan Moore. So the way that Rick Riz on the radio says it is Eugenio Suarez. So if you, yeah, well, if you translate it completely in Spanish, it's Eugenio, but I that could see too. it. <laughs> I could see it flowing. I'm trying English to nail this down. And so Bell, like after the last, <laughs> I think right after we acquired him in the trade, kind of poked at me and laughed. So I, I want to nail that down. I want to nail that down yeah. because we're going to have to say his name for It'd several months sure be nice to know the correct pronunciation or even what he prefers in english i'm sure it, we can look it yeah. up but yeah. i'll just go with suarez for the time <laughs> um as we get head back at the outfield here uh, abraham toro and evan white white on the injured list and i think we were looking at what six to 12 weeks with that uh sports hernia 
and we head over to outfielders here like we just talked about Mitch Hanniger, Jared Kalnick, Kyle Lewis on the injured list currently and no real timetable for him yet. Uh, Julio Rodriguez and Jesse Winker and then the catchers, the three catchers, which was interesting to a lot of people, Tom Murphy, Kyle Raleigh and Luis Torrens. Um, I mean, I don't have a lot to say on this roster. It kind of mm-hmm. sorted itself out the way that I thought it would. The relievers is interesting, but the bullpen was of huge strength of this team last season. And then the catchers, the catchers is an interesting thing for me because I, I have to admit, I'm not the biggest fan of Tom Murphy, uh, but it's, it's good to have guys that are comfortable with your pitchers, pitchers that are comfortable with different catchers. You know, one guy isn't always necessarily going to be, you know, the number one pick for all these pitchers. In some cases, that is the case where someone's got a star catcher. But Cal Raleigh is a guy that's young and, you know, his, at least in spring training and what I've seen in these Twins game and on the game that he caught for the uh, Twins, I believe, on the 10th and the 9th, and he's catching today. Um, that presence looks a lot more calmer than he did last season, and he looks like he's improved defensively. So if he can continue that and really continue to grow into that number one catcher, fine with it. But having other guys like Murphy and Terenz around him isn't bad in competition. Yeah. Competition. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I'm okay with that. I mean, do you see anything you want to note on the opening day roster? No, I unfortunately didn't get to watch the opening day games or opening season games. Um, just kind of curious how Julio did. <laughs> I mean, any time. well, and this is the thing, too. I talked to a buddy of mine about this. You know, anytime you skip AAA, which is the closest thing you can get to major league pitching, right, you're probably going to struggle a little bit uh, with pitches, you know, and on any of the off speeds, like these curveballs and these changeups that guys are throwing at you, they're not going to give you anything meatball, right? They're not yeah. going to give you these easy fastballs to hit. Right. So um, hitting wise, I mean, he's still working on it. You know, I wouldn't doubt at some point seeing him go down to AAA so he can figure some things out because, again, the way I wanted it to go, and to his credit, he hit really well in spring training, but I would have liked to see him have like a week or two in AAA to open the sure. season and just really get his legs under him and say, hey, I'm still mashing the ball in AAA. I can, I, here's here's the sample. Because spring training is a bunch of different variations, mm-hmm. different levels. you know. So give me a consistent, let him see these guys that are basically MLB quality, and then bring them up. Yeah. You know, so so you the bat's do. working on it. That double in that game on the ninth was huge and you know props to him on that uh in the outfield he's been he's been solid i think there was one moment in the game on the 10th where him and winker were going for a fly ball and they almost collided and the whole time to the back back to the uh back to the dugout winker was giving him an earful no which i mean isn't you know it never hurts to hear from a veteran guy no. but uh he's, he's a rookie and I think He's we talked learning, about that yeah. as soon as we learned that he was going to get called up. He's going to make some mistakes. Yeah. So he's he's had his moments, yes. And it was really cool. I know you didn't see it, but I'll I'll shoot I'll show you the video when we're done with this. The the they had a, a camera on his family the whole time because they flew him in, and he got his first hit in a big moment too, and it was really cool. So I think I think Julio will be fine. I think he'll be fine. It's just he's a rookie. Adjusting. Yes, yeah. exactly. So I think he'll be fine. Um, and then the potentially biggest news outside of actual opening day happening was that on the 8th, the Mariners extended their their newest team captain with Kyle Seeger gone. 
uh, in their gold glove shortstop, J.P. Crawford, earning a five-year, $51 million deal. Beginning in 2022 and extending through the 2026 season, Crawford, an AL Gold Glove finalist in back-to-back seasons, winning in 2020. Probably should have won won last year. Um, But a guy that really has taken sort of the leadership mantle up and I think has kind of been passed down to him. Um, And it's just kind of the face of this team right now, I would say. You know, I know Julio's gotten a lot of burn. Robbie Ray is a big acquisition, but a guy that has really... I, I like he, he's uh, really been the face. I just he's been the face and he's really put himself out there and told this, you know, just been the front man. Um, so getting him locked up long term and, and showing people that, hey, if you put in the work with us, we're hopefully going to put our money where our mouth is. You know, obviously there's a few guys like Hanager, some people would like to see extended. Um but a guy like JP who you w- would like to be around, who's a good clubhouse guy who the fans love. This is a, I think it's a solid move and you're not sh- I mean, five years, 50 minutes. I think that's perfectly reasonable. Yeah. I think that's perfectly reasonable. So good to see that get locked up. Good to see JP, you know, going to be here for a bit. Um, I, I think, you know, again, outside of actual opening day taking place, that is a big move. And I know that a lot of people wanted to see the money shelled out a little bit. And I know that's not a huge deal, but, it's, I think it was a, a key important move to keep your core, part of your core locked up. So that is it for Mariners news. And we will look over to league notes and bell. What do we have? We have a couple of things for league notes. Um, one of yeah. them that we joked about before we started, <laughs> but what do we got going on over we'll there? We'll get there. Um, on April 4th, there was a new tribute in place for a Jackie Robinson day for the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson's debut. All players will wear a Dodger blue 42 on the back of their jerseys. So that would be opening day of April 15th. Yeah. And that's, I was intrigued because I was like, what does this mean? But I guess the numbers on the actual Jersey, no matter what team uh, is wearing it, will have that Dodger blue and that'll be, pretty interesting to see and that's opening yeah i think you mentioned it home opening day here in seattle so that's that'll be a big day yeah um on april 5th the mlb allowing teams to use electronic pitch signaling devices this season to deter teams from stealing signals so i joked with a friend that this is just going to be an apple watch that the catcher is going to i guess it is but in in the uh in the uh broadcast in these few games i guess uh, a lot of the mariners have been really happy with it i mean it's just funny you'll see the catcher sitting there poking with something and yeah they'll all look down at it <laughs> and it i mean at, at the end of the day if it helps get rid of sign stealing um and it, it makes the game more efficient i don't see why not so that's that was that was i, I like that move i was okay with that yeah uh moving on to april 6th here the news we have is Sabathia gets role with the MLB. Former Yankees star pitcher has been named a special assistant to the commissioner in a role developed specifically for him. So this was not there prior. Wow. So it is interesting to see, you know, I think Griffey, Tim Griffey Jr. has a role with Major League Baseball Mm -hmm. now in a sort of similar kind of thing. But to see a guy like CeCe Sabathia get a role like that, these are like, I wouldn't call them minor, but they're interesting moves as the league is trying to increase its relevance, you know, in today's format, you know, so it's pretty cool. I'm interested to see what change comes from that, you know, what, what action is put into place. 
wonder what that even entails too. So that's an interesting role for sure. (laughs) Um, For April 8th here, Rachel Balkovic makes historic managerial debut with Yankees low A Tampa Tarpons winning the game. Yeah, so I know that there was, I mean, it's a big deal because she's like the first female manager of at any level, you know, in Major League Baseball. Obviously, it's a minor league team, but big to see that happening and cool that, you know, in that debut also winning that game as well. So yeah, that, that was cool sure. to see. And, you know, obviously for her to, to make some waves and break some barriers in yeah. that regard. Hopefully she continues to get that success. Um, also for the eighth, Aaron Judge situation. <laughs> Yankees offered All-Star OF a deal that would have made him the highest paid annual position player in team history. He denied it and said that he will talk to 30 teams ahead of free agency. Yeah, that's, I mean, anytime the Yankees suffer, I, I enjoy it. Um, <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's really interesting, like you said, make him the highest paid annual position player in Yankees history. And the Yankees are the Yankees, you know, yeah. so that, that kind of says it's something. Gonna be good um, but the, the comment about free agency is really interesting. I mean, at least if we're talking about a manager guard, we have clog and outfield anyway. We have a, uh, a log jam. There we go. Um, but that's interesting to see. And then again, anytime the Yankees suffer, I'm okay with it. So we'd be happy to see him anywhere outside of the American League. Just get him <laughs> out of there. You think he just wants to like see what his options are before he yeah. finalizes and I mean, like you know, there were some mega deals made this offseason. Like the Rangers showed out half a billion dollars. No, uh, yeah, half a billion dollars in their contracts for, between two players. So, my uh, goodness. Yeah, yeah. The Rangers make questionable decisions, but I'm, you know. So I'm interested to see what number he's actually pursuing. Um, but it's it's going to be a historic number if it declined what the Yankees were going to offer him and what we know about what that number was. So interested to see how that takes place. I wonder if he just comes back to the Yankees and is like, yeah, never mind, I'll take a, it. It's a leverage thing. <laughs> yeah. It's like eh, throw some more. In yeah, there. you know, it <laughs> probably is what it is, honestly. <laughs> And then the last piece of news that we have here for League Notes and what Charles and I were joking about, uh, Rob Manfred sends gifts to players. He gave everybody Bose headphones as an appreciation with a slight note that's basically like, I'm sorry for the lockout. (laughs) Yeah, which is pretty laughable. Yeah, I mean, you know, guys that... And that lockout affected, you know, stadium workers and some of these guys who aren't like the big name players like an Aaron Judge, right? I mean, that's you're messing with their money and their livelihood. So both headphones, you know, it's it's that was laughable to to read. And you know, you're the commissioner of baseball and you look at all the revenue that a lot of these teams made, like really a pair of headphones that these guys could have paid with a, a thousandth of their salary is <laughs> I don't know what was going through the oh. mindset there. Do you think there is something that might have been appreciated more? I mean, you can't take the lockout back. Yeah, you can't. I, I don't know what <laughs> it's like. How do you get a birthday gift for someone who has everything? You know, I don't True. maybe I don't know. I don't know. A bump in salary minimums. I don't know. I really don't know how you would what the accurate replacement would be. But headphones is would not be on. That <laughs> yeah. That's not the way to approach things and try to repair relations there. And a couple of the MLB players, I think, already spoke out and said, yeah, this doesn't cut it. So 
Anywho, we're just happy to have baseball back. So yeah. <laughs> let's go ahead and look ahead in the schedule. So uh, the Mariners currently, as of Monday, I know there's a game that's going to be played in three hours here, uh, sitting a 2-1 and one record. They're, I think they were tied for first in the AL West last mm-hmm. time I checked, but that could have changed. Uh, looking ahead, they will play a four-game series. Well, no, three-game series against the White Sox outside of their game against the Twins today, uh, April 12th, 13th, and 14th, uh, the 12th game. At Chicago being a 110 start, the 13th game at Chicago being a 410 start, and the game on the 14th being a 11:10 a.m. start, mm-hmm. so that they can head out back to Seattle. I know that there were reports of potential tornado warnings in wow. Chicago, so that yeah, series might get affected there. Uh, we might see a doubleheader or something, so that they can get those out of the way. And then the first home opening series of the year for Seattle, the first since that incredible last home stand here uh, at T-Mobile Park. April 15th versus the Astros, a 6.42 p.m. start time. That is the home opener and Jackie Robinson day. Uh, April 16th versus the Houston Astros is a 6.10 start. And April 17th versus the Astros, that Sunday is a 1.10 start. If you plan on going to the uh, home opener on April 15th, obviously it's Jackie Robinson day. Um, and I, I don't think we need to necessarily expand on Jackie Robinson, his story <laughs> instrumental to baseball itself yes. you know and the the evolution of the game itself um and i would like to i guess see more i mean the numbers thing is going to be cool but you know i guess more like from the league in terms i know last year there was a donation that major league baseball made um so that a lot of players um younger players like kids uh could afford the game because mm-hmm. baseball's not a cheap sport you gotta no. buy a bat you gotta buy a glove and those two are expensive on their own. You gotta buy a uniform. You gotta buy balls if you wanna practice on your own. You gotta travel. If you wanna, you know, get to the major league level, at some point you're gonna have to play club baseball. And that's several thousand dollars to get into a club baseball level. You know, so it's an expensive sport. It's making something more accessible. And I'd like to see the league do more in that sort of regard. Yeah. Um, I know the mayors have done some great things with like the hometown nine here uh, in Seattle, and they're working on something new I saw on their broadcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, also on Jackie Robinson Day is a bobblehead day. If you care about the bobbleheads, uh, it'll be Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, wearing the 42 on his back, uh, which is kind of a cool statement. And for Griffey to do that and be part of something like that, to start wearing the 42 is a really big deal. Um, Anything in- exclusive in the team store that you might have? Uh, there will be some Jackie Robinson Day shirts mm-hmm. I know of. Um and it's, uh, I forgot the design, but there will be a shirt at cool. least. Um, outside of that, I'm not 100% sure. But I know there will be a shirt there. So that is it for the Mariners aspect of it as we head over to the storm. As the storm look to the WNBA draft that will take place yes. in about a little over two hours. So Happy Bell, what do we draft got? day. Yeah, there you go. Um, on April 6th, the ESPN, ESPN releases WNBA mock draft version. Um, by Michelle, how do you say your last? I, I don't want to Vopal. Okay, didn't want to butcher that. So sorry, Michelle. <laughs> um, has Seattle drafting the following players with the with their four draft picks? The all of them here are pretty much guards, one forward, which is interesting um, to look at. Yes, uh, the three guard options would be Nia Cloudon from Michigan State. She earned all Big Ten honors all four seasons at Michigan State. Averaged twenty points per game. Four rebounds per game, four assists per game last season. Um, number 18 selection, Jade Melbourne, also a guard from Australia. 
Um, she averaged 12 points per game, three assists per game, five rebounds per game in the 2021 FIBA U19 Women's Basketball World Cup. The number 21 selection, Lexi Hole, who is also a guard from Stanford, she averaged 12.5 points per game, 5.2 rebounds per game, 1.7 assists per game last season. And she is from Spokane, Washington. So that'd be interesting. She'd definitely be staying home in her home state. Um, and then the forward option here, number 33 selection, Hannah. <laughs> I'm going to have Good you take over you. on that one. <laughs> Shervin. <laughs> from South Dakota. Um, she's listed as a center on South Dakota website. Yeah, it's interesting that the mock draft had her listed as a forward. Maybe it's like, oh, she's a power forward, but the school has her listed as a center, which I, I don't know. I thought was a little bit of an interesting tidbit. Do you get to select what you go into the draft listed as? as? Like, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not entirely yeah, sure, to be honest with you. interesting to know. Um, she averaged 15.1 points per game, 7.5 rebounds per game, 1.2 assists per game last season. So a few, again, a few guard options here. Do you have um, any thoughts on, I mean, if you look at it right now, I mean, obviously the point guard starting position kind of set and a lot of your starting positions are set. But um, the interesting thing is, unfortunately, in the draft, you know, a lot of second rounders don't typically make the roster because of how tight the competition mm -hmm. is and how few teams are at the current moment. Like for the actual draft itself, you know how a bunch of drafts will have people in person and you come up and they'll yep. show you the this year's draft in New York will only have 12 players um, in person and there's only 12 picks in the first round, you know. So and a big thing is, you know, a lot of like Jewel Lloyd specifically called for expansion of the league because there was a list of like 88 players that were putting their names into a yes. like uh, uh, to be eligible for the draft and not anywhere near when 12 times what 12 times three is 36, 36, 88. 88. So a lot of talented players mm -hmm. will not make the league probably, you know, and there's people who are undrafted who, you know, make their name, but it is an issue, you know, so I would hope that I know the league in 2020 talked about expansion and they kind of played with the idea, but at some point it needs to happen because there's a lot of talented women that do not make rosters. Um, outside of that, do you, I mean, do you have any thoughts on this? I know that at some point I looked at it uh, as we look over to the little draft thingy here. So I was got the four picks, none in the first round. And I doubt that they trade into the first round if, yeah. if they traded their first rounder already. Um, I looked at it as, you know, you don't have, I don't think an heir apparent, the point guard position, you know, to usurp Sue Bird on the roster necessarily. Cause I think we talked about it. Sue Bird's going to retire at the end of the year. Brianna January is retiring at the end of the year. I mean, Drew Lloyd could play the point guard spot and could take over there, but maybe she wants to just stick in her spot as the two guard. Um, so that's where I look at it. She's on a one year. Two, I think she's is a two it year. Two? Okay. I think Stewie's on the one year because of the overseas contract mm -hmm. situation that we've talked about. And I think Jewel came back on the two year. So she's on the two year. Let's maybe see how things go. Right. Yeah. See how the, uh, that's reconstructed. But we look back at the draft here. Uh, second round picks again, not guaranteed to make the final roster. The draft taking place uh, today at four o'clock. And so, yeah, I looked at an heir apparent at the point guard position and an interior force. I know we signed Jontel Lavender the other day, uh, the other week. Ezie Magbagor, we'll get to her and what she was able to do, and mm -hmm. Mercedes Russell on the roster. 
but I don't, you know, necessarily have, I don't know if you'd want, you know, have another big in there. How, how do you look at the draft just with where the roster sits right now? So just like you said, I don't know about the guard position because we don't know what that, what they're hoping, who they're hoping will take Sue Bird's place just yet. There is someone that's going to need to take her place. Yep. So I kind of understand like, why not have another option just in case, um, or even just someone to like, once Sue Bird leaves next season to be a backup for whoever does step into that um, starter role. But, yeah, because you're going to lose two guards on the yes. roster right now. And I know that somebody that I keep playing around with the idea of who's going to be a free agent at the end of the season is Kelsey Plum, who went to Washington and has had a lot of success in the last few years with the Aces coming off as a six-woman. That's just how I would look at it. But, yeah, it's I'm interested to see because we talked about it all offseason with you know Tina Charles and these other potential – and. A, and Noelle Quinn talked about her plan and what she's got. We have no idea what that plan is. Yeah. Could it be someone? I mean, Kelsey Vandersloot. Um, I could be wrong. I could have just said that name wrong. Um, we'll get that right. Uh, <laughs> Vandersloot is from Kent mm -hmm. and she signed a one year deal with Chicago. So could it be, Hey, I'll be in Chicago. And then as soon as Sue Bird retires, I'm coming over. You know, I, I I'm uh, really interested to see Courtney Vandersloot. My apologies, Courtney. Um, I'm, I'm really interested. I don't know if they'd plan on doing something in the draft. It's not going to be anyone in the first round. I imagine. No. Cause again, you traded out of the first round. So I, yeah. Well, and if Hannah can play forward and center, I mean, that, some versatility yeah. is never bad, you know. Yeah. So you've got Gabby Williams and uh, Stewie in sort of the two starter uh, forward spots. Yeah. So if you can having just some flexibility on the bench, it's never a bad thing. And as we talked about, having a good bench on championship teams is going to be a thing, you know. So yeah, maybe they. Yeah, maybe if this is actually a possibility, they play her on both and see where she thrives more. I don't know. That's interesting. Um, just definitely interested to see where we go from here. Cause like we've been talking about, we don't want the big three to feel like they have to do everything. So, and with some of the success that our other storm players have had overseas, it kind of makes you think that they might be able to carry some of the load. So it gives you hope. And I don't know, I guess we'll have to wait and see until at four o'clock today. It is, it is interesting. Cause I mean, if we look back at Cloudon, right, with the number 17 pick that we've got, because 17, 18, 21, 33. Cloudon, 20 points per game last season with Michigan. And mm -hmm. point guard really, with Sue Bird as a starter, has not been a spot that produces a lot of points. She, yeah. you know, in the last few years has not been big points person. A lot of assists, you know, and just having that mind on the court is great. But you're getting a lot of that production from the two spot. And depending on Brianna Stewart, probably the four. Mm -hmm. You know, I know that a lot of time, Katie Lou Samuelson down the road of the season was picking things up. Stephanie Talbot, you know, as a sharpshooter. There's consistent offense is what I'm concerned about. But with what you're talking about with overseas play, I'm, Gabby Williams has kind of eased a little bit of that. I'm excited to see how she does. Yeah. But I, the draft is, it's, it's funny because even on Twitter this morning, People are like doing mocks. They're like, it's just such a chaotic time and you never know. So I'm you really don't. interested to see where we go. And we'll, by the time that this is out, we will know what's, well, we'll be getting close to what's actually taking place. Yeah. 
So I'll let you continue there with uh, Storm News. Yes. Moving on to some more Storm News here. On the 7th, they announced their 2022 local broadcast schedule. Um, in partnership with Fox 13, they will broadcast 28 Storm games locally this season. So that's exciting. I can't remember how many games it was nationally, but I don't think it was 28. I think it was less than that. Yeah, so, some of the primetime matchups like against Vegas or the reigning champs in Chicago. Chicago. So there's like, I think, four to six. We're going to be on the Disney partners of ABC, ESPN, ESPN2 or something. Yeah. Um, so this is exciting. Um, if somewhere you're you can locally. go and watch yeah. it, you know, uh, if you're local, that is. Yes. So again, locally, 28 Storm Games will be broadcasted. Um, on April 9th, Ezzy McBegore wins the WNBL Championship with Deacon Melbourne Boomers. So congratulations to her. We're excited to see some success for several storm players here in their overseas um losing the word losing the overseas word. <laughs> like, i guess it's an off season in yeah. a way off season but that, yeah i don't have another word for it <laughs> um and then also on april 10th gabby williams wins the euro league championship with sovereign basketball uh she was named the euroleague women's final four mvp averaged 14.5 points five rebounds 4.5 assists and 3.5 steals um and i think i was reading that she was also an important key for their defense so it's exciting to see that she's doing things all around the board here yeah because i know when the team lost alicia clark in free agency a few years ago you lost your defensive stopper and now obviously you've got beyond beyond january but like we've doomsday thought about uh, the Mercury and Chicago, you're going to need defense all over the starting five. Mm -hmm. So, you know, having that from Gabby Williams will be huge. Yeah. And on the offensive production will also be good. But to see the final four MVP and see that she kind of wrecked havoc in that final four and then the championship game eases my concerns a little bit because it was like, kind of a wild card because I know she'd been inconsistent offensively with LA um, and I believe with Chicago before then. Um, so having that, I guess, calms me down a little bit. Yeah. You know? I remember you saying that was your main concern when we found out that they traded for her. So it's exciting to see some good numbers and hopefully she can carry that on into the season here. And looking ahead for the storm all we have is the WNBA draft which is again today at 4 p.m so we'll have definitely more news for you guys next week on how that went and we now transition over to our sounders with our sounders here the regular season continues as well as their CONCACAF Champions League pursuit as they look to be the first team in Major League Soccer to win the whole thing first team Major League Soccer has ever done it um as we look at the past game here on the 6th of the month uh, against New York City FC here at home, leg one was at home in a 3-1 to one win. So leg one of the CONCACAF Champions League finals, semifinals, pardon me. Uh, so you, this is one of the more important games in Sounders history simply because this is a title that, as I said, no team in the league has won before. And Brian Schmetzer has said that we are trying to win all the time you want to win these different trophies we don't want to just be complacent with what's in our league so i mean and again anytime these trophies are up for a town it's you want to i don't know winning is nice right you, yeah. you want to add different <laughs> things to your hardware trophy trophy case sorry um 
but to, they did so in, in a big manner. You know, the one goal was kind of a sloppy thing that they can correct, but to have a two-goal advantage heading into League Two is important because I think I've said it in the leagues leading up to this, the legs leading up to this. You know, when you played in round one, you had a zero-zero draw, and then you win the next game five to nothing, kind of overkill. But anyway, um, and then you go into the next uh, round of it. And the again you open it up, I think, with a three to nothing win. And then the next game you win, I think you draw one to one. But since you've got the three goal advantage, you win. Mm-hmm. So getting yourself that advantage so that you can don't have to worry about as much in the second leg is really important, especially when you're going to play on the road in the second game. And it's interesting because I said New York City FC, right? Yeah. But because their home stadium is not up to the CONCACAF Champions League code, they're playing in a different stadium in New Jersey. Ah. Because their home stadium wasn't the code, which I think is kind of funny. But do we know why it wasn't? It might be a capacity thing. Okay. Um, it might be facilities wise, but it just wasn't up mm. to their specified code, which is kind <laughs> of funny. So that game will be in New Jersey. It won't be in New York. It will be in mm. New Jersey. Um, but player of the game for that win over New York City for Jordan Morris with a goal and assist, a seventy-nine percent passer rating, a uh, pass completion percentage. My apologies, we're not in football. Um, excuse me, and an 8.4 rating on the match. So again, a big match for the Sounders, and they, I would say, they delivered. You know, getting more goals to have a better advantage in the next game would have been nice, but two, I think, two is a solid start. Yeah. Um, as we look over to the injury side of it, so you played this match without your top defender and your player of the the defender of the year finalist, Yamar. We have a little bit of, it's like a game art tracker. If you look at the injury news, right? On the fifth, he was seen jogging in practice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just almost like these MTV paparazzi. It's like, oh, King Kardashian <laughs> he's spotted. Jogging. He's jogging. Exactly. Um, seen out in public, you know. But uh, just little things, you know. On the ninth, Japalo trained. I know there was some concern about him, but he should be fine. And on the ninth, it was announced that he's like, Yamar was likely to miss Wednesday. And then earlier today, it was announced officially that Brian Schmetzer Confirm everyone on the roster is good to go for Wednesday's game except for Yamar. So he's still working his way back. But Again, he's jogging. He's, he's, thank you, Bell. He's jogging. Yeah. <laughs> um, but to have most of your roster good to go, I mean, is, is a good sign. Yeah. You know, but if you're able to hold New York, the reigning MLS champ, 2 1 goal, and it was kind of a floppy goal um, in an important game without your top defender, I think you'll be fine in the next one. It's a good sign. So it's, it's, it's positive. And I, I would rather have him build up to anything and hopefully be back. Hopefully I'm not saying I'm not looking Maybe, ahead yeah. for the final, as opposed to rushing him back and mm-hmm. worrying about, you know, making it worse. Um, and team related notes, you remember I talked about winning different cups, uh, this one, the U.S. Open Cup has been postponed, well, the, canceled the last two seasons because of COVID and travel and all that. Uh, as we head over to team notes, on the 8th of the month, uh, the Sounders will have a bye week into the U.S. Open Cup round of 32. So if you don't know, the U.S. Open Cup is essentially, you know, we stick with the U.S. part of it. There's different leagues. There's the USL, USL2. It's like kind of, I guess, minor leagues of soccer uh, here in America and relating to MLS. So it's essentially the Sounders will play a bunch of different teams around the U.S. Okay. Um, so Seattle is one of the eight MLS teams who are not who will be able to get that bye week into the round of 32 and not have to worry about playing into it. Um, the Ballard FC, which is a USL2 team over in Ballard, 
uh, they will be able to qualify for next year's tournament during their inaugural season wow. this season. So uh, Seattle, oh, also, and we're sticking with the local thing, Seattle and Portland, there was something where they uh, played on different levels. So they won't play each other in that mm. 32 round yet. Um, but yeah, we at some point, maybe we could see a Seattle Ballard, and I don't know how well that would go. Yeah, would so one's a pro team and one's a, like a minor league yeah. college and different other teams, guys, in high school. So, um, but that's what the U.S. Open Cup is, and Seattle has won it before. Um, so, again, hardware. You always want to click hardware. Mm -hmm. So, Seattle is already working on their way to that. Um, and if they reach the final, that adds more games to their schedule, and it would obviously add um, some more wear on the guys. But, you know, so far with the uh, Champions League, uh, the training staff has done a good job of, you know, managing guys and getting different people into the lineup and, you know, managing, uh, managing? Managing. Managing <laughs> their uh, their workloads. So U.S. Open Cup, we don't have to worry about that quite yet, but that is in the cards for the yes. Sounders. Uh, looking ahead, the big thing that's really important that still matters, we had shipped our focus back to Champions League, uh, CONCACAF Champions League. The second leg is on April 13th at New York City FC. That is in New Jersey. Again, not in New York, in New Jersey. That's a 6 o'clock start time. That is the second leg. And the Sounders still lead by two goals on aggregate. Uh, and for your information, in the final, away goals uh, don't count as a tiebreaker anymore. So the, if the tiebreaker aspect of it uh, in the final will be gone. And, but we don't want to worry about that until we actually get into yeah. it. So April 13th uh, at New York City FC. Like with all of the rest of the CONCACAF Champions League game, that should be on Fox Sports. Um, and it probably won't be on any of the uh, local local uh, television networks, yeah. just for your viewing, viewing uh, awareness. As we look over to our Seattle Kraken, who, similar to the Mariners, had a top prospect called up, but we uh, we got some games to look at uh, before we get into that. On the sixth, the Kraken played in St. Louis against the Blues, as the Kraken faced the music, losing that game one to four. Uh, player of the game, defenseman Will Borgen with one assist, one point, a one plus minus, four shots on goal, three hits, and one block on the day. Uh, heading over to Chicago on the seventh, they played the second game of a back-to-back -back there in Chicago, winning that game two to one, two to nothing. Pardon me. Uh, so getting another shutout on the year. Player of the game number one would be goaltender Philip Grubauer, recording 29 saves in the shutout. It would be his second shutout of the season and his 20th of his career. He is the now in second place uh, for shutouts by a German goalkeeper uh, in their career, which is just a little tidbit, I guess. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and then the second player of the game for that one would be forward Jordan Eberle with one goal, one assist, two points, a two plus minus, four shots on goal, and one hit. And then Seattle would come back to play the first of a home-and-home home series game, which they haven't mm. done all season. Uh, didn't first game didn't go well. Uh, <laughs> April 9th versus the Calgary Flames, who are sitting at first in the Pacific Division, losing that game 1-4. to four. Play the game forward. Carson Kuhlman with a goal, a point, and three shots on goal. So St. Louis and Calgary are two playoff-bound teams in the Western Conference. I expect you to play tough games against them and probably not come out with victories yeah. but the shutout was nice against chicago and the, the kraken take a the series win over chicago this season so that's good to see and a <laughs> shutout's always nice as we head over to team news and kind of the real major importance um of this week's news with the kraken before we get to it and i don't want to put anything down on kale flurry but 
On the fifth, the team recalled defenseman Kale Fleury from AHL Charlotte. He is Hayden's brother. Um, and then on the eighth of the month, uh, we had some speculation as uh, Michigan hockey season ended that number two overall pick, uh, Matty Beneers, Michigan alternate captain, was likely to sign with Seattle soon, could join the team as soon as Saturday the 9th, uh, potentially, because Michigan season ended and it's basically all right. Yeah. I got nothing else to do. On the 10th, it was made official. The team signed Beneers uh, to a three-year entry-level deal. Uh, Beneers was the second overall pick, as I've mentioned, with the team's first NHL draft pick back in July. Uh, he's the first pick to join the franchise, and he will wear the number 10 that he has worn down in Michigan. And he was playing in his first game. Uh, well, he was at his first practice today that took place just a few hours ago. Uh, had his first practice in front of the fans. And there were, were some notes uh, from the press. Nobody gave a concrete answer when we might see him on the ice that with the team. <laughs> uh, but his family will be in Calgary tomorrow. I guess maybe says something. Hmm. I mean, obviously he's in game shape because, like I said, the season ended just a few days ago. Yeah. Um, said that the reception that he got from his new teammates has been great. A bunch of them reached out as soon as he signed. His family will be in Calgary, and they're excited to check out Seattle. Uh, Dave Haxall said he can't say enough about how impressed he was with the type of person that he is, uh, saying he's got a real nice balance of respectfulness and humility to him. He urged the media to slow down uh, and stress that the big thing for Beneers is to get comfortable in the dressing room and the environment with his teammates. So that, I mean, that makes sense. Uh, but it's interesting to note that in the practice lines, so I don't know if you know this at Bell, but we'll run through lines in mm -hmm. hockey. First line, obviously, is like your starters, you know, and they go down, there's yeah. four lines in hockey. They had him practicing uh, in the third line, which it makes sense. He's a rookie. Right. But they had him practicing with alternate captain Jordan Everly and Ryan Donato in that third line, which is it's interesting to note because you kind of like with Julio Rodriguez, right? And Jared Kalnick last year, they don't want to rush him. You want him to be ready, like we talked about with rookie mistakes and being ready. So I'm interested to see how that takes place. But obviously, there's a lot of excitement. This is the number two overall pick in last year's draft. He's a guy that is kind of looked at as like an all-tool player. I know that there were some concerns about him going into this season about not scoring enough and his ability to score. And what does he do this year? He scores a bunch. So the passing is there. He's got a he's a solid, uh, he's six foot one, which not a lot of the there's funny looking at the heights of these guys. Not all of them are that tall. Um, he should be a real joy to have, and he's kind of looked at as the future of this franchise. So I'm really interested to see whether they sort of ease him into this or how they do things with them. Because there was that quote about making sure he's comfortable in the locker room. So, How many games do you think you keep him out of at the beginning to let him adjust into things? And just like you said, just not make as um, many rookie mistakes, I guess. I don't know. It's interesting because, you know, the comment about him, his family being in Calgary is interesting. Yeah, it makes it seem like he's But if you're, if you're going to play. Are you putting me in the coach chair? Is that what you're doing? Are yes. You seeing, well, when do you play him? Well, because um, I talked about entry-level contract, right? If the team is kind of like service time in baseball, if you had decided to not sign him this year, he would have three years available on this contract next year. Mm -hmm. But you're going to burn one this year mm -hmm. with a month left to play. Well, a little less than a month left yeah. to play. 
I figure if you're gonna do that, he's gonna have to get some experience, right? So I'd. That's a I'd, logical wave. Let's look at the schedule. Yeah. I would say maybe that first home game back on the 16th. Get him in front of his home okay. crowd. Let him settle in. There's two games on the road here. Both of them are in a back-to-back. First home game is where I would put I mean, what about, would you say the same or would you wait a little bit more? Or? I think that's fair. I guess I was also trying to gauge whether you thought that he was going to get on the ice at all this year. And it sounds yeah. like if, if they burn that year of his contract, I have to, right? Because yeah. would you really burn it if you're just like, hey, hey, come out, hang out in the locker room with us. Perhaps. Let's see how you, yeah, burning a whole year. Yeah. I, I think you, <laughs> if you're burning the year, you have to. Yeah, because it it might be a waste, right? Unless you're already lining up a deal with him, right? An extension, you know. So, uh, just also for reference, and we look at league news on the eighth, the top pick in the 2021 draft signs Owen Power signed a three-year entry-level deal with Sabers. He was drafted first overall, so the Sabers too are burning that first year, mm-hmm. and it'll be interesting to look side by side, right, to see when Power gets into his first game. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's that's. I'm gonna put it right now. We're gonna put it in. Um, what day is that? The 16th. The 16th versus New Jersey. I'll put that note in there, and we'll look back at that next Monday All when right. we speak to you. But as we look to the record and standings of the team here, and looking into the next week's schedule, the Kraken records is at 23, 43, and six with 42 points, 23 wins, 43 losses, and six overtime losses. They still sit at eighth in the Pacific. In case you were wondering they can't slide any further no uh (laughs) looking ahead they will play the first of a two-game double header also the second game of a home and home series against the calgary flames in calgary on the 12th with a six o'clock pacific time start and then the second game in that back-to-back april 13th at the winnipeg jets at 5 30 then coming back home to play the new jersey devils in what i imagine would be maddie veneers first game um Versus the New Jersey Devils at seven o'clock, and just a little housekeeping thing: he does prefer Maddie as opposed to Matt or Matthew. Oh, wow. I'm not just buddy buddy with them. I'm not calling. <laughs> That's just a little housekeeping note as well. So, we will uh, head over to the rain here, Bell, and why don't you uh, take yeah. a look at? I mean, it's not much. Not nothing for game recap. Some international recap. Uh, some international week stuff, but uh, what yeah. do we, uh, we have something going on? Team news here. On April 7th, Fallon Tolis Joyce earns NWSL Save of the Week for second week in a row. Her second award in three career starts with the Reign. Um, the goalkeeper has played every minute in OL Reign's Challenge Cup campaign this year, and she has made 10 total saves across the three games. So, I mean, that's amazing. Save of the Week, two weeks in a row, is pretty big, but. Yeah. I have to be honest with you. I had my concerns because she played a few minutes in the last regular season game of the year last year and didn't play outside of that. And I was like, you know, this is a team that, you know, you had the second overall seed in the league last year. You fell to the eventual champs in the second round. Mm -hmm. You should be reloading, right, to try and get an NWSL title, which you have not won before. Um, And... And any team, whether it's hockey or soccer, if you want to be successful and you're going to be a playoff team, you want a good goaltender. Yes. And I was concerned a little bit. I wanted somebody that's proven, that's, you know, that I know is a proven commodity. And the, you know, I say OL Reign, the parent club in uh, Olympic Lyon, they have, they loaned a goalkeeper last year, Sarah Buhati, uh, who 
my buddy in the press box called her liability because of her erratic play. Yeah, that was her name. <laughs> um, but they've also got some other goaltenders on the roster that you could have maybe loaned over. Yeah. And those loans, big loans that happened last year took place this in April and May. So we could see that. But Tullis Joyce has been playing really great. So I admit it. I was wrong. <laughs> she's really proved herself and yeah, she's looked really calm and so. goal. So uh, with that being said, we will look at the save of the week here made by Tullis Joyce against the Portland Thorns now what, two weeks ago because of international break. Quika! Oh, excellent, Tullis Joyce. So as you see there, that save of the week against the Thorns. I mean, any game against Portland is a big game. Yes. And so to make a save like that is really important. But again, I'll admit I was wrong. I, I was a little concerned, though. You know, as I, I would have with with similar to the Storm, right? When you kind of have that championship expectation, you know, playoffs should be like a stepping stone into the greater hope for that team. Mm-hmm. I want, you know, proven commodity. And having players that really step up is a good thing. I just, I was hoping to see someone was proven and Fallon is really proving herself. So that's, Hey, again, I can admit being wrong. That's how, you know, things in this world work. I'd look stupid if I just sat here and I try to die on that hill. So it'll be exciting to look forward and see how many more she can rack up here this season. Yeah. I mean, two and (laughs) two or three, those are good odds so far. So uh, what do we have? We got a busy week this week. What do we have for the rain this week? Looking ahead on April 14th, they will play the San Diego wave and that is a 7 PM kickoff time. And then on the 17th versus angel city FC at 3 PM. So sitting at a, is that record still? Yep. Good. Two wins, one draw. Yep. One draw, and then standing is first in the Western Division. So it's you know nice to get these two games back at home. I mean, they were down in LA uh, last week, well, no, a few weeks ago, and then down in Portland, mm-hmm. and then international break. So bringing the rain back home, and then so you play San Diego for the first time ever because they're an expansion team, and they play Angel City again, but for the first time here uh, in Seattle. So again, anytime we can get them out in Lumen Field is really good to see. If you can get out, I would encourage you and or Matt to go out and do that because it's, again, the, they always use the tagline world, uh, world-class world players in a world-class arena. Yeah. And if anybody else can make their time out to Lumen Field, it is a great experience. I know, I mean, if we look at tickets, I know they're not, um, it's not like you're going to a Sounders game where sometimes they gouge the prices for the more important, well, the, the higher stakes matches or like plan to get into a Seahawks game at times. We're a Kraken game where it's near a hundred. Yes. Uh, I know tickets start as low as 20 bucks. Yeah. So there's yeah. that for you. Uh, but two big games and they're playing two expansion teams. So it's always interesting to see how teams, you know, work in their first iteration uh, around the league. With that being said, we look over to our Seattle Seawolves here who got back into their campaign of the 2022 season after a bye week as they took on the seven and one New England Free Jacks who led the league with their, uh, their record. Uh, it didn't go too well uh, for the, the Seawolves, but I mean, they hung in there. Uh, April 9th at the New England Free Jacks at uh, Veterans Stadium, uh, a 22 to 24 loss. Like I said, it, it wasn't the worst case scenario because of how close that game was. You get a, a bonus point in the standings, 
uh, in the loss. So as opposed to getting nothing, you get at least something. But uh, Seattle kind of held down there, uh, and with, they got a try at the end of the game to make it a two-point loss, uh, which is big to get that extra bonus point. But you know, to play the league's best right now and to hang in there for the majority of the game is is better than I expected. So um, I'm okay with it. I you know I wasn't looking at this as like a must-win game, but because of how competitive the Western Conference is right now, uh, you know you're with that loss. You were third in the Western Conference. You dropped all the way down to fifth. Um, I mean, you're a few points out of a second place again. So it's it's like this. The West is really competitive, um, and you're going to be playing this upcoming week a team that sits at third. So you sit at 22 points right now at fifth place in the Western Conference. Austin's at 33, and I probably won't catch Austin. Uh, the Giltini sit at 29. So there's a seven-point difference between you and second, which is mm-hmm. if you get a big blowout win, is possible. Uh, but San Diego sits at third. They're at 26, and you're playing them next week. So that's a four-point differential, which is more than accomplishable. But you have – I mean, I'm saying that right now. It's easier said than done. Yes. So – it's an important matchup for uh, the Seawolves here as they look to get back into the playoff hunt. I mean, to stay in the playoff hunt, you're going to play you're at a four and five record now, uh, sitting at fifth in the in the Western Conference with uh, 23 points. And April 16th versus the San Diego Legion. That's a three o'clock start. That is back here at Starfire Sports. So you'll get back in front of your home crowd, which is good. Um, is this the second week in a row that we don't have a player of the game? And losses don't. And don't <laughs> no one stood it. out. And it's, it's also a little tough because <laughs> with Major League Rugby, you know, it's a relatively new league. They don't have like I can't go to an ESPN or <laughs> look up stats. an MLS, and I can't look up stats. Yeah. So I have no idea. Yeah. Um, I just know that I can see who got the tries, but I can't see other things like I said, you know. So that's that's kind of where it, it stands. Okay. With that, um, just for transparency, mm-hmm. uh, the aspect of that. Um, so as we look, yeah, again, big matchup against San Diego. It's a rivalry game, nonetheless, back at home, but also you're fighting for your playoff life. So big game, April 16th versus the San Diego Legion at three o'clock. I know there's a lot going on on the 16th around Seattle. Yeah. So if you're not able to make up Seattle for the Mariners game or the the Kraken game, game, uh, and you're closer to Tukwila, Starfire Sports, they always do a really good job in Tukwila, the the fan experience is really great. And even the Giltinis, who are the reigning champs, after they beat Seattle a few weeks ago, said the best fans wow. in rugby. That's awesome. It's really best atmosphere. So that's really cool to see. But I'm not done there. I know we usually finish things off here. Uh, coming up next week, mm. we will be introducing a new segment that kind of, you know, we kind of look at things at the end of the show, right? Uh, next week, we will have something that gives an actual title to that. Uh, with, I mean, you'll see this slide is a little blank here, but it's because it's coming next week. Seattle star of the week. going to pick who you viewed as the, had the most impressive performance of the week around our seven teams here in the area. Um, Impressive performance, you know, maybe a really big game like Jewel Lloyd drops 50 or, uh, you know, really could be off the field stuff, but Seattle star of the week. We're going to introduce that next week uh, with next Monday's show. uh, And it's, didn't want to throw that on you too late. So we'll look at that <laughs> next week with Seattle Star of the Week. Um, I'm sure Bell will now be scheming some things up here. And we'll be <laughs> looking, looking forward, forward to, to that. It. But with that being said, um, it's another sort of busy week. I know there's 
two things going on today. So with that being said, as you can see here, thanks to Salman, our director, always when you thank your directors here, uh, you can follow us. These are our Instagram. You can point down to uh, Instagram handles down here. Uh, if you want to follow the show on social medias, we are very, very active on those, and you'll get your news much more uh, by the minute. Uh, Circling Seattle Sports is the handle for the Instagram. Mm -hmm. So if you want to follow the show on Instagram, Circling Seattle Sports is on the screen. Take a moment, pause. You know, I might make a funny face while you're pausing it. You on are. Twitter, it's Circling Sports. So take out the Seattle part of it, Circling Sports. And on Facebook, if you're on Facebook and you still use that, no shame to you, Circling Seattle Sports, same thing. We're much more up to the minute and we're looking for it. Bell and I talked about it today, a lot that's coming up that we're working on. And you'll be up to date with the interviews that we do over on the channel, on the YouTube channel. we got a lot going on for you. So mm -hmm. you have anything to, to leave us on? Or? Watch the WNBA draft. <laughs> yeah, that is available on ESPN. That yes. will be live on ESPN. Yeah. Four in a well, few by the time that this hours. is going on, you can do the split screen. You got us going on in the WNBA draft. So, like I said, like with that too, with the social media, we will have those picks when the yes. storm or they trade. Maybe they trade out of it and they get a veteran or they trade up higher. You don't know. We will keep you up to date with that on the social media site. So, with that being said, as Bill mentioned, watch the WNBA draft when it takes place at four o'clock on ESPN. Just go into another tab and open that up. Um, and thanks again to someone. <laughs> yep, our director Salman making us look pretty. All that lights, camera, all the good stuff. Until we see you next week, take care of yourself. Be well in this weird Seattle weather that we're getting this spring, as per usual, and do your best to make today a great day. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.